I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TIXBLITZ.com today. TickSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Productions sponsored by TickSplits.com. It is suitable for all hearing audiences. And with that, Double A, the show is all yours. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Halitech Hall. Good morning, Mr. Halitech. How are you? I wish I was better. It would have been much better to be four and three uh, this morning as opposed to three and four, but uh, we now face. Uh, a huge turning point in our season coming up this Sunday, but all in all, uh, with the snow on the ground up mm-hmm. here in Wisconsin, I think it's snowing down by you this morning. Uh, it's uh, It's been uh, an interesting week, to say the least. So, uh, sadly, we have to talk about another Bears loss with a lot of mixed emotion because the Bears probably played one of their most effective games of the year offensively. Uh, but just didn't have uh, enough end zone visits with a ball carrier or a receiver. And we ended up falling 17 to 16 to the San Diego Chargers when Eddie Pinheiro missed a, a field goal about two feet wide left, punting or kicking towards the same end zone where we had the infamous double doink last year by uh, the perky to be remain nameless. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, I'm very, very, very disheartened, uh, discouraged. Uh, I feel like a lot of a lot of what we thought in the off season, a lot of what we talked about, a lot of uh, the the expectations and the excitement um, were. I don't know. I feel like the, I I feel like I told somebody. I said I feel like I've been living a lie for for this whole off season. That this is not the quarterback we we thought we had and and this offense is not the offense we thought we had and this coach perhaps is not the coach that we thought we had and uh it's just you know it's hard to remain positive about the rest of the season because of what's going on in the division i mean you look at the packers and they they just unfortunately they look great you know they they still have Aaron Rodgers and their defense is solid and now they have a running game and you know I know they have to play some games on the road and whatnot but it's hard to imagine that they're going to stumble um, you know that much you know and and the Vikings uh, have turned it around um, you know they are and what's ironic about the Vikings is they simplified things you know. Last year, they brought in uh, a, another Andy Reid disciple running this 
fancy offense to Flippo, and Kirk Cousins couldn't do it. So they got rid of that guy, and now they're running simple stuff. And now Kirk Cousins has, you know, has has rebounded, and they look like a team that is not going to be easy to beat. Um, you know, even for us. And so you look at the injuries mounting and the way that Trubisky has played and we just, we've missed too many opportunities to win games that they should have won. I mean, you could say that, you know, the Packer game was a game they should have won. You could say that the Raider game was certainly a game they should have won. And then this past week, I mean, good Lord, they just found new and exciting ways to lose that game like and I, as I you know it's it's the end of the first half I I can not remember it's been since John Fox that I haven't been as angry as at a coach the way that was handled that was just embarrassing it's like you just can't go down there and call those plays and not come away with a touchdown and you know then spiking the ball on third down. And I mean, they've almost missed out on getting a field goal and they went into the half leading and getting booed and they deserved every boo because it was horrible. And, and so I don't know where we are. I, you know, I I have a hard time envisioning a path to the playoffs at this point. Um, And, you know, there's just, we, we went from more answers than questions to more questions than answers. We did. Let's talk about the uh, the last few plays of that second quarter. There was a um, there was a minute and 40, 59 seconds left to go uh, when the Bears. Uh, this when Montgomery ran off his 55 yard run, and the Chargers called timeout after that with 143 left. So the Bears have the ball at the 15 yard line. Montgomery, one-yard run. Trubisky, one-yard run. Mitchell Trubisky completed a pass to Mike Davis for five yards. Uh, And it's now, you know, it's now first down at the four-yard line. Montgomery right. And that was the, was that the one that the horse collar penalty was called on? Yeah. Mm Yeah, that was, then you had your horse collar penalty. Then Montgomery ran right for no gain. Uh, Trubisky uh, pass completed to Patterson for one yard. That's the one that that uh, uh, I think we'll talk about with Zach a little bit later on, because uh, he I mean, basically took himself out of the play and and they they throw to him and he's got nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then you've got the uh, incomplete pass intended for um, Allen Robinson in the end zone, but you've got the pass interference call. So. You have first and goal with 25 seconds left at the one-yard line, and they throw a pass intended for Shaheen. You know, and I think Shaheen only had two targets all game and wasn't even close to being uh, a catch. Montgomery then goes off left guard for no gain. There's a big cluster, you know, and the, the Chargers did the right thing. They piled up on the guy. And there's no timeout, so the clock is ticking and ticking and ticking. Mitchell Trubisky finally gets under center and was able to spike the ball with one second left. And just the boos are cascading down throughout the crowd. And then, of course, Pinheiro kicked a, a field goal, a uh, 19-yard field goal. 
Here's the problem. So, well, before we get into the problems, we need to talk about some good stuff because there was a lot of good stuff in this game. They ran, they had 26 first downs. They held the Chargers to 11 first downs. They held the Chargers to 36 yards on 12 carries. That's three yards a pop. We carried the ball 162 yards on 38 carries. That's a damn good show. It's the best, I think, the best showing the Bears have had on the ground all year. Trubisky was 23 of 35 for 253 yards, but one ill-fated interception, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, 38 minutes total time of possession. The Chargers only had the ball for 22 minutes. The Chargers only had one drive, one drive longer than four plays. Did you realize that? I didn't. I had to go back and look it up. One drive of only uh, of more than four plays. Unfortunately, two of those drives were were the uh, touchdowns, I believe. So that's a that's a shame. That that's a shame that that you know they had the one long pass in the second quarter, which got them their first touchdown, and then they had the the touchdown after uh, the ill-fated fumble by Trubisky. Wow. Uh, and, and, but that's it. One drive longer than four. They had five three-and-outs, the Bears did on defense. But the bad news is is only one tackle for loss, only one sack, which were both accomplished by Khalil Mack. So it was nice to see Khalil Mack finally get back on the score sheet after being held off the score sheet for a couple of games. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's important also to remember as much as, you know, another thing about let's, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm reticent to give Mitch too much credit because I don't think that this, that the score, the stats don't tell the story of the game. If you never saw this game and you saw the stats, you would say the Bears dominated this game and statistically they did. But in situations, whether it was Nagy or Mitch, they both basically screwed the pooch <laughs> um the first the first big mistake was eddie pinero hitting the post um you know they had an 11 play 70 yard drive that ended with eddie pinero hitting the post on a 33 yard field goal i mean if he hits that field goal we don't need the other field goal at the end we already have the lead you know so a lot of people are are killing Nagy about how he handled that field goal. It's like, well, if Pinero just does what he's supposed to do and makes a 33-yarder, we're not even talking about this. But again, that was, um, you know, a, a bit of a, a failure in the red zone. I mean, <clears throat> they've been in the red zone so infrequently this year that their percentage in the red zone is actually pretty good. But it's sort of a fake thing because they really haven't been in there enough for it to matter um then kyle fuller gets an interception and all we get out of it is a field goal the four plays for zero yards you know so uh, that's that's a problem um and then the defense does what it's supposed to do and they get a punt and we go five plays for 12 yards and we punt then the defense does what it's supposed to do again and gives up three play five yard drive and all we can get out of it is another field goal nine plays 64 yards another field goal because we have the ball at the nine and we can't score 
Uh, they run, they run Tariq Cohen from the nine, like, you know, and then, and then, you know, uh, it, Mitch can't hit Allen Robinson um, on a slant. And that was, you know, and then, and then, and then in third and goal from the nine, they run Tariq Cohen. Like, what is that? That's, I mean, that's horrible. They needed to run him when they were on the, on the five, you know, or closer, but yet you run him on third and nine. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. And then, and then of course the chargers get the ball back. Go, you know, four plays, 75 yards. Um, and you know, one of those being a big pass to Mike Williams for 43 yards where Kyle Fuller got beat and Eddie Jackson looked awful and tried to tip the ball instead of playing the receiver. And that was, you know, I mean, there was, there were, you know, there was some good things. Mitch hit some, some receivers for chunk plays, you know, he looked great, you know, he, but we're on the Mitch roller coaster again. You know, it's, it's, it's too great. It reminds me of Cutler, you know, at one minute he can look amazing. And the next minute he looks like he's never played football and Nagy, you know, it's just kind of the same. One minute he's we're doing things that's helping Mitch and we're committing to the run. And then the next minute he thinks he can just go, you know, with these crazy formations and everything they did at the end of the first half was so predictable. You knew that ball was going to Robinson and Montgomery fails to get the cut block on Ingram. And it, Mitch has to throw over his extended arm, one of the best linebackers in the game. And then that play where the bunch on the right and then Shaheen, I mean, that was just telegraphed. I knew everybody, if I know what's happening, then professional defenses know what's happening. And instead of throwing a fade to Shaheen, who's six foot six, and we supposedly got because of that, you throw a slant like that gets batted down at the line. You know, I mean, hell, bring Chase Daniel in if that's what you're going to do. Like, it's just, it, it's maddening. Like, you see the flashes, you see the, the reason we were hopeful, and then it just gets snatched away because Mitch has brain lock or Nagy, or Nagy has brain lock. Or, you know, I heard somebody say that it feels like Nagy's plays never go together. You know, and I think part of that's because of Mitch. But you can't, it's like 50-50 now. You can't, you can't absolve Nagy of blame and you can't, absolve Mitch from blame either because Nagy is so obsessed with getting Mitch going because obviously it's good for the team. But then also uh, Mitch does, you know, and I believe Nagy that Mitch looks great in practice, but he gets to the games and it's like, goodness gracious, this guy, like it's hard to, to feel good about him, you know, even though he did have his moments. There are many players in all sports that just look lights out during practice. And when the lights come on, they're, they just don't fire like they do in practice. And then there's, there's players of, in all sports that practice terribly, but when the lights come on, they're all-stars. And that's a, you know, a, more and more apparent that that's what we've got with Trubisky, and I hope I'm wrong. We've invested a lot of time, a lot of money, and a, and a lot of draft capital in this kid, and it's time for him to, uh, you know, do what he needs to do or get off the pot. So that that's 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 
just trouble. That's just trouble. And nobody was a bigger fan of Trubisky after he was drafted than me. Uh, I wasn't thrilled with the move. I know there were there are a lot of guys on a lot of lot of web pages, especially some of the Facebook groups that I'm in that were all for Trubisky. And they got what they wanted. Unfortunately, you know, be careful what you wish for. And that's what we're getting now with Trubisky. And it's it's sad because if he hits that pass to Cohen, if he waits one more beat and throws longer to Burton, uh, no, I'm sorry, Gabriel. It was the Gabriel pass mm-hmm. that right before the fumble. You're you're talking about possibly two touchdowns. The five trips into the red zone with nothing to show for it except for one touchdown and three field goals and two missed field goals is unacceptable. This game, when you do look at the stats, you this game looks like it should have been a blowout, and it should have been. It yeah, should it have been a blowout. could have been like the Tampa game, <laughs> practically. It, it could have been. It could have been at least you know 34 mm-hmm. to 17. And, you know, do they even get that second touchdown? Um, you know, if, you know, they don't get that second touchdown, if the, the pass to Gabriel is either thrown two feet higher or two feet shorter, or if he waits just a half a beat longer because he's got a linebacker beat by three yards. So even if he has to slow down a little bit to get the ball, even if it's not a touchdown, it's a 50-yard game. So sadly, that's where we're at uh, after after this game. The, the Bears now stand at three and four, and they've got a tough road to hoe going forward starting this Sunday against Philadelphia. And speaking of Philadelphia, we're going to start talking about that. But before we do, we're going to take a break uh, and have a message from our sponsor, TixBlitz.com. And when we come back, we have a very special guest, Zach Pearson uh, from from BearReport.com. He's a a Pro Football Writers member, uh, Pro Football of America. He also blogs about North Carolina. So he might be able to give us a little insight about what the Bears uh, see in Trubisky and maybe since he spends a lot of time at Hallis Hall, any inklings uh, toward what's going on at Hallis Hall in the minds of some of the players. So we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TixBlitz.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TixBlitz.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TixBlitz.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TixBlitz.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every venue. We are joined this morning by a BearReport.com writer, a University of North Carolina blogger, a Pro Football Writers of America member, Zach Pearson. Good morning. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Great. Good. Thanks for joining us. Thanks yeah, for no being problem. on Hall Tech Hall. No problem at all. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. I, I reached out to you uh, a couple of weeks ago to have you come on 
I, I thought that since you write for Bear Report, you're your pro writers, uh, pro football writers of America member, and you blo have blogged for the University of North Carolina Tar Heels, you would be a great person to talk to talk us through this dilemma that for the past seven games has been well six games has been Mitch Trubisky. So. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, Zach, and then let's get right into it. Yeah, um, pretty much grew up around the Chicago area. Uh, started writing in high school and college and kind of uh, built some websites and got some experience uh, to kind of lead me to where I am today. Always been a Chicago sports fan. Uh, kind of grew up a North Carolina football, basketball, baseball fan. Um, basketball's had a lot more success than the football and baseball programs there. But, um, yeah, I like it all around. Um yeah, like you said, man, a dilemma. I think it's a big dilemma now because um, where the Bears are at with Mitchell Trubisky, it doesn't look like there's you know any clear path um, looking forward. I think they might be stuck with him for at least another year. I think so. There was some rumblings. Uh, there's a couple of uh, bloggers and, and uh, people that tweet on uh, our Bears Twitter universe, we like to call it. Yeah, uh, about some guy, and I can't. I'm not going to bring up his name because it's not important. But he had mentioned he's got quote unquote friends in the building at Hallis Hall, and after this week's game, uh, there was some talk at the higher level saying that there's a big hole in the roster at the top of the roster. So obviously they they are talking about Mitch Trubisky, and since you spend a lot of time at Hallis Hall. Are you getting any indication that that might be the case? Um, so usually we don't get a lot of access to the, the higher, higher ups. Uh, we only get to hear from Ryan Pace once or twice um, during the season, if that everything comes after the season. But as far as, um, you know, someone like Matt Nagy being frustrated, I think you can kind of see that in his press conferences lately. Um, it, he's kind of had a different tone, whether it's talking to the media or answering questions about Mitchell Trubisky. I take it as they still have faith in Mitchell Trubisky. I don't think they're going to write it off as impossible for him to turn things around. Um, he's on a guaranteed contract, so he'll be here next year. I just think they're kind of starting to realize, oh, crap, this is not the guy that's going to be able to run our system. And whether that is up from the top and the pressure is coming down to Pace and Nagy, we'll see because I think this offseason they're going to make some moves. Um I could see him bringing in a veteran quarterback, free agent, and possibly trading for one. The problem with that, though, um, and I don't want to get too much into the trade deadlines. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit, is they don't have much draft capital uh, to go out and acquire one. I could see them drafting someone in the NFL draft. Uh, I would love if someone like Jacob Eason fell to the second round and used one of those second-round picks for him. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but still, get a younger guy in, whether it's a day two, day three pick, because if this thing really, I mean, it's going south now, but if it really starts going south, I think it would just be a lot more exciting to have maybe a guy that they could have drafted in 2019 come in and play. It definitely would have been more exciting for the fans, and maybe, you know, they would have caught lightning in a bottle with someone like the Jaguars did with Gardner Minshew. But as far as, you know, maybe pressure from the top, I don't think we're fully there yet. I do think there are some concerns, however. It is a shame. And, you know, when you start to sit back and, and look at what Trubisky is doing, you know, with all due respect, I thought he had a pretty decent game this past Sunday, except for the red zone. 
Uh, he, he had one of his best days, at least of this year. But you kind of get the sense that he's being confused by, by defensive looks. And, and remember back, and I don't know if you're old enough, Zach, to go back as far as Dante Culpepper. But, yeah. you know, he came, he came out like a house of fire, uh, but then he couldn't read defenses, and that was his ultimate demise. Well, what are your thoughts about Mitch and his ability to read defenses? Yeah, I mean, playing quarterback is one of the toughest things to do in all of sports, if not the toughest thing. Playing quarterback in Chicago is like it's magnified by 10. You know, it's it's just it's incredible how the Bears haven't been able to find a franchise quarterback. When I look at Trubisky, I agree. I thought he was better on Sunday, um, you know, especially through that first, what, well, I'll say first half, maybe third quarter. He was playing well. He was hitting receivers. But, man, those you know, outside those red zone struggles. But those red zone struggles – were just incredible from the Bears. And Nagy even talked. He said he admitted that some of the play calls were a little bad on his part. I don't think running on third and um, goal from the nine with Tariq Cohen was a smart idea. But you look at some of those play designs. The one they go to Shaheen in the back of the end zone, there was four wide receivers off to the right. None of them were effectively in the play. So that doesn't really make – that tells me that the whole – the entire read, the one and only read right there was to Adam Shaheen. A couple plays before – I can't remember the sequence, but – Cordero Patterson was lined up all by himself to the left, one-on-one coverage, and he pretty much backed up as a screenplay, was two yards behind the line of scrimmage, and was effectively not in the play. So that tells me, why are you wasting personnel down there uh, when you are struggling? I would like to see him run the ball a little more, take the pressure off of Mitchell Trubisky, because when Montgomery was going in that game and the Bears' offense was kind of flowing, I thought Trubisky looked you know, better when he had that run game. Now, he's still making the, the same mistakes that we're just – everyone's pounding him for. I mean, look at the um, – was it the miss on Taylor Gabriel where he has a, a veteran linebacker. He's beaten by two, three steps. You have to make that throw. Go back, watch that throw. Trubisky has about five yards, four or five yards to step up in the pocket and make a throw. And instead, he backpedals and, again, throws it off his back foot. His mechanics are just really bad right now. Um, but, yeah, and it, but, but – Going forward, you know, in that game, he put them in a position to win the game with a field goal kick. Eddie Pinero has to do his job, but also Matt Nagy's got to figure out what he's doing with kneeling the football because if Pinero makes that kick, I think the narrative kind of changes on Trubisky's game just a tad. Not enough so people can say, oh, yeah, he's finally figured it out, but just a tad maybe gives you, you know, some hope moving forward. I I agree with what you said, Zach, uh, largely, but I think it's important for us to remember that Trubisky also put them in the position that they needed to come back. That that interception that he threw was inexcusable. And then the the fumble was also inexcusable. Like, this is the problem with this guy. He shows you flashes, and it's two great plays, and it's two horrible ones. And it's just that we call it the Mitch roller coaster because you're just you're just riding it every week. And and I I I think it's on Nagy. I think Nagy needs to have identified who he is by this point and stop trying to uh, get him going because there's there's a there's almost like a manic quality to Nagy's play calling that we've seen this year where he is clearly hell bent on getting Mitch going. Now, obviously that's good for the team if it works, but the flip side of that is now I think you've got receivers that are very frustrated. I think you've got a defense that's very frustrated and I think it only makes it worse when they see, Oh wait, we can run the ball, you know, 
oh, wait, we do have a good running back. Oh, wait, maybe the offensive line isn't as terrible as we've been led to believe. And now what are we doing? I mean, it just makes no sense to be inside the five-yard line and going empty set, four-wide, weird tight end bunch sets, weird stuff that the defense basically has the advantage because they can do anything they want pretty much within five yards. So, I mean, it's it's just this weird, horrible combination between uh, Mitch being in brain lock and and you know, and then Nagy trying to get him out of it during the games, and then. You know, what you're left with is this sort of, uh, you know, bipolar offense, you know, where they look uh, amazing one minute and then they look completely pedestrian uh, the next. And I think what you're seeing right now is Nagy's kind of flailing uh, in his explanation of it because he's also trying to keep this guy's, you know, confidence somewhere in the ballpark of stable. I mean, because, he, uh, you know, clearly he's Mitch is like, is kind of a kind of a mess right now. So yeah, and then you know to your point where you know, maybe wide receivers get frustrated or maybe the defense gets frustrated. That's what you don't want because the fingers are starting to get pointed at the quarterback and that leads to him losing confidence. I'm not saying that's happening now, but that's exactly what you really need to avoid. Yeah, to go back to the interception, it goes back to reading the defense. Watch the defensive back on that play right there. If Mitch looks him off and maybe kind of lures him over the middle, I think that play's open. That didn't work. The, the defensive back baited Mitch the entire time. He, didn't, he couldn't read the defense on that play. And then he kind of lobbed a pass um, to Burton. I thought if he kind of maybe would have led Burton a little more down the sideline, at the very worst, it probably isn't picked off, maybe a completion. But in that situation, you live with an incompletion rather than the interception. So, yeah, it goes back to him um, – not being able to read the defenses still in year three, which is a big problem. And another factor in that, I completely 100% agree. You know, Mitch did put him in a position where they have to come back, which is you don't want. I also put some of that, a little bit of that blame on, on Matt Nagy, too. I wrote about it. The Bears were so bad in, in, in key situations on Sunday. I call them like situational mistakes. And we've already talked about the red zone down inside the 10. That was just a huge chunk of it. That's three drives down there. But in the fourth quarter, with a six-point lead, I believe the Bears ran the ball a total of four times on two drives. I think they picked up uh, two first downs. But he had Mitch throwing that pass. He had Mitch in shotgun uh, throwing again with even after the Chargers missed a field goal. And then on top of it, for the love of God, I, I'm trying to figure out the, the game plan on how you don't chip or double Joey Bosa, especially in the fourth quarter, and you leave Bobby Massey out there on an island with him. It was it was just mind-boggling in key situations. The uh, the pass that we talked about, the uh, the interception, I think you're right. If if Trubisky holds on to that ball for even if it's just a half second longer, and Burton continues to streak down the sidelines. You've got that quarterback who was that was falling off to, to come into coverage flat-footed, and he runs right past it. So you're you're yep. absolutely right there. The fumble that, you know, I I know that the that that was it Massey that got pushed back into him, but he didn't knock the fumble the ball out of Trubisky's hands. Trubisky went to turn. It looked like he tried to shift the ball from his right yep. hand into his left hand and just flat dropped it. And that's obviously something you can't have. Uh, that was uh, shades of Jay Cutler losing yeah. the football. 
yeah. or or uh, the famous butt fumble from uh, oh, uh, the, the New York the New York Jets back in the day. They didn't run Montgomery one time in goal to goal situations on Sunday, and that absolutely was terrible play calling. You know, where's that jumbo formation? I forget what they called it uh, back uh, back last year, where you had uh, you know you had two defensive linemen lined up right behind the right side, right behind the, the tackle and the guard, and just bull your way into the end zone with Montgomery behind you. That would have been a perfect time to see one of those trick plays that Nagy is so fond of. Uh, you're absolutely right. Cordero Patterson has been the Bears' best weapon outside of Allen Robinson because of his kick return prowess. He's averaging 30 yards a kick with one touchdown. And when we began the season, Zach, all we heard about was was Nagy salivating over how many ways he can use Patterson on this offense, and he's, he hasn't been in there for anything but a trick play. Well, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Zach. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of it's kind of predictable when Patterson is in the game now because every time I believe every time he's touched it outside of. Um, you know, kick returns. I think all but one or two touches have been runs out of that jet sweep or handoffs out of the backfield. So it's getting a little too predictable when Patterson is in the game sometimes. Well, I just yeah, think Nagy outsmarts himself. I mean, uh, to me, that sequence mm-hmm. at the end of the first half was one of the worst sequences of coaching I've ever seen. Like, and, and just, just horrible. Like the clock management, the play calling, everything about it. I mean, if there's ever a time where actually Tariq Cohen streaking to the sideline, like he loves to do is a good thing. It would be at the goal line. I mean, all you have to do is literally hand it to him. You know, it's like, put your bunch on the right and hand it to him to the left. Nine times out of 10, he's going to beat his man to the corner, but Nagy has Mm -hmm. to get so cute it's like he just can't resist. He loves his plays so much that, you know, it was like he got forced and shamed into running the ball, but he was still going to let us know that he's still an offensive genius and Mitch is still his guy. And, you know, even though he, he's had all the success running the power eye, well, you know, he's not going to be, um, you know, he's not going to be pigeonholed into that. You know, I think there was even a quote where he said something to like Spielman, like they didn't bring me here to run the power eye. It's like, do they brought you here to win games? So if your personnel is not developed enough to run anything more complicated, then run. And he made a joke about running the wing T, and I'm like, well, maybe that's where (laughs) Mitch's maybe that's where Mitch's level is. I don't care. Run the veer, run a spread, run anything that works, but stop trying to pretend that this guy you know, can run this offense that you claim takes four years to learn. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's like, come on. And he even said, I mean, he said, I didn't have the I formation essentially in his playbook over the summer. So it's kind of something that they just recently installed. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean, down there, why not run it with Montgomery? Why not even just a fade route to Allen Robinson? The one that they tried running Allen Robinson, Trubisky, he almost threw it pretty much in the tunnel they were lucky because they got a pass interference call, but still that ball wouldn't have been a touchdown. You know, I think when you have Allen Robinson, someone like that, or Anthony Miller, um, Taylor Gabriel, I think you got to target those guys. I think, you know, the book is pretty much closed on Adam Shaheen. He's got the size down there, 
But it's like you're throwing slant routes to Adam Shaheen. You know, you're not throwing jump balls to Adam Shaheen. So what? What's he down there for? Is he at this point just a two-point specialist? There's, there's a lot of questions surrounding this offense, and unfortunately, I don't think it's gonna get much better this week. Well, and what yeah, happened? Adam, to what, see, sorry, just real quick. What happened to what they learned in the Washington game? I, I know that you know Mitch got hurt after that, but but I felt like they had like a aha moment with Mitch and the and the the hurry up and you know the coming up to the line quickly and you know all this stuff. And then they've mm-hmm. just abandoned that. It's like, okay, congratulations. You admitted that you need to run the ball. And it's like, okay, yeah, maybe they don't have power eye in the playbook. But every football player on that team has run that in their life. Like, it's a high school offense. So, you know, it's not it's not complicated for, for professional football players to go, guess what, guys, we're running eye. Holtz, you're the fullback. Go. You know, like they could, you know, they could do it. You see – uh, Belichick changed his offense completely mid-game, you know, so it's it's possible. But but what happened to what they learned in Washington? That's what's troubling to me. It's like the little bits of progress we make, it's like they don't come to fruition. They don't turn into seeds that grow. Uh, you know, it's it's just like each game lives in its own little weird vacuum. Adam Shaheen was only targeted two times the entire game. Taylor Gabriel was only targeted six times. Uh, it's it's now it was spread out pretty pretty equally, but when David Montgomery gets as many targets as as Tariq Cohen and Cordero Patterson combined, when those are your playmakers on, on in the pass in the short passing game, I think we've got a problem, Zach. Yeah, and you know it's just maybe there's just too many targets to go around. I, I don't know. I just, or maybe, you know, Matt Nagy's kind of run out of gimmicks or he's just trying to force his way um, into getting the guys, the ball that maybe he needs to spread around a little more. There's a lot of questions surrounding this offense. And, you know, we haven't even talked about, they pretty much essentially benched Tariq Cohen from the run game on um, Sunday in the second half. I don't think he had a carry all the second half. If he did, it might've been one or two. Um, so they've kind of gone away from him in the run game. And then, you know, Mike Davis, he was actually got some snaps on Sunday, but he's been nowhere to be found this entire season, which has been a big disappointment for a guy that if you go back and look, they talked him up pretty big throughout the off season and training camp and even in the preseason. There was some thoughts about, about Mike Davis, uh, Zach, uh, earlier, and I don't know when he, how many games he has to stay on the roster uh, if he gets, I know if he gets released, we get a compensatory pick back and some other mechanics that are, that are going on. But there's been some supposition uh, in Bears Twitter about releasing him and bringing up Karis White or even Ryan Nall from, with Ryan Nall, maybe a more rugged back that you can put as a fullback, but yet still has the ability to carry the ball. That might be something that's worthwhile taking a look at. Have you heard any inklings about the Davis situation? Uh, no, not lately. Um, I mean, I think at this point, you know, it might be better for both sides. Um, I don't get a sense that he's frustrated. And if he is, he hasn't shown it in public or in the locker room or anything like that. Uh, super professional guy, super nice guy. I've talked to him a couple of times. It just, I mean, it just feels like at this point, like he maybe give him a chance somewhere else, or maybe give him a chance as a receiving back, something like that in this offense. But 
You know, the one thing about Ryan Pace is we've learned over the last couple of years, he really looks like he does not give a damn about these comp picks at all because um, he's kind of mishandled a few of them. So I think I believe the deadline is week 10. They have to release him by and then get a comp pick as long as the conditions and all the other players that they've um, released or signed in free agency are met, which it looks like it will be. So it'll, it'll be a decision to make. Um, ideally, you'd probably bring up Ryan Knopf on the practice squad. Uh, maybe Kareth White gets some run. Uh, I would probably use Null, to be honest, and, and maybe leave White to um, to maybe special teams duties because he hasn't really seen the field at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's this confusing situation because he did have, I believe, I, I don't know if it was his father that passed away or his uncle, someone in his family passed away early in the season. He missed a game or two, but ever since then, even then, I mean, even against the Packers and in, in week two, he just, he was nowhere to be found. So maybe it's just better for both sides if they kind of move on and the bears can get that comp pick. Yeah. He's Zach, very I know you're pressed for. Yeah, Zach, I know you're pressed for time, and and you have to uh, get over to Hallis Hall. Uh, We really appreciate the time you've given us. I hope we can get you back on to talk more about your your Tar Heels uh, and what what Zach, uh, what Mitch has been able to do or what he was able to do and why he was he was literally on the top of many draft experts boards as far as the best QB in the 2017 draft and what you saw and, and what you thought back then. So Zach Pearson, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Make sure you follow him on Twitter and uh, at bearreport.com. If you would do be so kind, Zach, as to give uh, everybody your, your Twitter handle and uh, we'll let you get out of here and get over to Hallis Hall. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, my Twitter is at Zach, Z-A-C-K, underscore Pearson. And you can read my work um, at the Bear Report. I'd love to come back on. Uh, maybe we'll do it later on in the season. Hopefully, we'll talk about some uh, Bears wins moving forward. Let's, but doesn't look good. <laughs> let's, let's hope so. Everybody, Zach Pearson from BearReport.com. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor, TickSplits.com. Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you again to TickSplits, our great sponsor, TickSplits.com. And um, please uh, go to the site. Use the site. They have an app. It's It's got to be one of the easiest apps to use, uh, one of the easiest ticket sites to navigate. Uh, they have tickets for everything. Uh, they are giving portion of the proceeds to paralyzed veteran charities uh, all through November. So it's a great cause. Uh, you can buy your tickets. And of course, uh, the difference between tick splits and the other guys is that there are no fees. Uh, all uh, the price that you see is the price that you pay. Um, and I don't think anybody else is giving a portion of their proceeds to uh, important charities as well. So Go on there, get your tickets to uh, sporting events, Bears games, uh, concerts, anything you can think of. There are tickets on there for your ticket needs. So thanks again to TickSplits.com. We appreciate all their support. Okay, it's time to get back, and we're going to talk about 
Philadelphia, lay it on me, Aaron. What do we got to do to win this game? <laughs> I am uh, not feeling confident about this game. I mean, I, I never I, – I marked this down as a loss at the beginning of the season at my highest point of crazy confidence. So – for for us to be where we're at and let's not you know sugarcoat it philadelphia has not played fantastic they also have had a ton of problems this season but they're still a very talented team they ran the ball for over 200 yards last week um they have uh you know a a quarterback who's capable of of doing you know really great things. Uh, they have very good wide receivers. They don't have a great pass defense. Um, they have played pretty well against the run. So you know I'm not saying the Bears don't have a chance. I just have a hard time envisioning them doing it because I really think that it's going to be another game that's uh, it's going to be on Mitch um, and he's going to have to. Uh, pass the ball for them to win and that's I mean honestly that's the strategy that every team is going to employ against us is um, you know make him throw you know uh, and we're not going to sneak up on them by running the eye I think the Chargers were taken by surprise uh, by that by that commitment to the run and that formation now that being said I don't want them to go out and throw the ball 45 times because that's not going to work you know I think the best part about what Nagy did last week was that he committed to the run, even though it honestly didn't work that well in the first half. They had, you know, the first play for 10 yards, and then they proceeded to get very little. And then they came out in the second half, and they just ran it, you know. And, I mean, I think they've got to do that. They've got to control the clock. They've got to, um, you know, they've got to basically do everything they did in the Charger game, except they have to score touchdowns. If they do what they did in the Charger game and don't turn the ball over and score touchdowns instead of field goals, we'll be fine. But I just have a hard time envisioning that. I mean, I can't I can't logically or honestly predict that the Bears are going to win this game. Um, but, you know, do they have a shot? Sure. Um, maybe they can play up this us against the world thing that they've got going on. Um, because everybody's, I mean, you know, everybody's shaking right now and, and, and people are jumping off the pace bandwagon, the naggy bandwagon and the Trubisky bandwagon left and right. We basically, what we need to see is a combination of the game that, that they played this past Sunday and the combination with the Redskin game. <laughs> That's what we yeah. need to see. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't see. Gabriel wasn't game planned into this uh, offense at all this past Sunday, except for that one badly overthrown pass. I think, uh, I don't think he was the primary uh, target much at all. Uh, Robinson only had, I believe seven targets this past week. So they did spread the ball around, which was good to see. They just didn't finish. And that's what they have to do against Philadelphia. Uh, We've said this a couple of times, and I know I've said this often on Twitter, is, and it's, it's been especially true playing at home. Mitch Trubisky is playing like he's got the entire weight of the city of Chicago on his shoulder, because he does. And you know, the, the, Bears, the Bears fans, the Bears reporters, they could be a brutal bunch. And... Yeah, there's high expectations, and quite frankly, he has not lived up to those. 
You know, he's played well in spurts. We've talked about that all year long. I think this is maybe our 21st or 22nd episode of Palatine Call. You're talking on it on the tailgate show. He hasn't lived up to the expectations, but we have seen sparks and spots of brilliance from this guy. The, the end of the game against Denver, the end of the game, this game, he played extremely well. The end of the game against the Eagles, the first, the second quarter against Washington, the second, the first half against Tampa last year. And we can go on and on and on. The Jets game last year, he, he played exceptionally well. He played well against the Detroit at home back in uh, November of last year. So we've seen it. We just have to continue to see it far more regularly than we've seen it in the past. You have one great drive to, to open up the third quarter, and then the offense disappeared the rest of the game. And that basically, coupled with the, the missed chances in the first half, that's what cost the game. That's what cost the game. Philadelphia can be had. They've played very spotty this year. They have won, I believe, three straight going into this week's game. But Philadelphia plays its best when its back is against the wall. And I don't think they're going to have that same mentality going up against a team that's struggling the way the Bears have. So we might just see something that we're not expecting and that that could be a Bears victory in the uh, uh, in the city of Philadelphia. Don't go to Philadelphia and wear Bears gear <laughs> if you're going to the game because Philadelphia Eagle fans are the worst in the country. Yes, I said that. And uh, if you're if you're an Eagles fan listening to our podcast, feel free to come at me. But the the fans there, uh, when you put out a, a, a in a tailgate a coffin of a of a Washington Redskin player that was killed tragically, and you have his jersey draped across the coffin in a tailgate. That's just total classlessness. And uh, don't wear don't wear bear stuff. <laughs> Go and root the team, but don't wear bear stuff. It's it, it, It'll just be brutal. So we talk every week about Bears history. That's pretty much what sets this show apart. We talk history as well as current events, and we keep it on a level where all listeners can enjoy our show without the fear of getting their ears burnt. Uh, so if you've got, if you've got kids that want to learn about Bears history, now's the time to, to put our podcast on hold. Go get your kids. Gather around the speakers because we're going to talk a little bit of history. That said, uh, I was hoping at the beginning of this year that we could have gone over the 1985 Bears season almost game for game and mark those games versus the progress the Bears are making this year because, uh, you know, I was – and I still am confident the Bears can make the, the playoffs, but you know, they can only lose two more games. And even if they only lose two more games, they still might not make the, the playoffs at 10 and 6 because the NFC is by far playing lights out. You've got a couple of teams over in the AFC that are playing lights out, but in the, then there's a hodgepodge in the middle, whereas you've got way too many teams for the Bears even now at just three and four 
that they have to climb over in order to make the playoffs. So when we take a look at last year's team and we take a look at this year's team, this is eerily familiar when we go back to the Bears of the 80s when they did have their great playoff run from 84 to 88 and then 1989 happened. What do I mean by that? It's, it's pretty simple. In 1988, the Bears made the uh, NFC title game against San Francisco, and they went 12-4. and four. How ironic is that? They went 12-4. and four. The Bears of last year went 12-4. and four. They did, however, win their first playoff game against Philadelphia, ironically, the Philadelphia Eagles, which they played this weekend. That was, if you're, you're not old enough to remember, you have seen several video clips of that game. That was the game that has been known historically as the Fog Bowl. When the, it was a gorgeous New Year's Eve morning in Chicago, and then right before halftime, fog crept in off the lake and rolled into the bowl of Soldier Field, and it made it just impossible to see if you were if you were up in the stands looking down into the fog you couldn't see a thing but on the field the the fog kind of hovered about five feet over the grass so you could see if you were at ground level you you were able to see and they had announcers going down to the field level to try to call the game the uh, the stadium announcer was trying to do a play-by-play for the fans in the stands because we just couldn't see they ended up losing to the 49ers uh, in in the NFC Championship game, and then in 1989, we had we all had the same hopes that you know, this team is back on track after after losing uh, in the first round of the playoffs in '86 and '87. Um, this year, we lost the heart and soul of our defense on an injury uh, when Akeem Hicks went down against the Oakland Raiders. The Bears started the 1989 season 4-0. And ironically, when they won their fourth game in a row, who did they beat? The Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, It was on a a Monday night game in October. Uh, Dan Hampton was lost for the season after that game. And the game just uh, got away from the Bears. They, how's this for, for irony? They lost three straight. They lost at Tampa. They lost to the Houston Oilers. They lost to the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. So instead of being at three and four, they're four and three. But then they went on to lose seven of their last nine games, including six straight to to end the season. And that is my biggest fear for this team this year is can they right the ship or are we going to see a disaster like we saw in 1989? Aaron, what are your thoughts? Well, um, I mean, it's it's it, the the Eagles and Bears history is, is interesting in that you know um, you went uh, you know from from 35 to uh, 47 with the Bears winning every single game, um, and really you know they've dominated the series historically. 
Um, but unfortunately, it seems like every game that we lose against the Eagles is really important. Uh, whether it was 0-2 when Donovan McNabb uh, broke our hearts after, I mean, it was technically in 0-2 was the 0-1 season, broke our hearts um, after the 13-3 uh, Dick Duran season, uh, or of course, you know, last year with Parkey. Um, and, uh, you know, what you just talked about, you know, about, um, you know, sort of stalling a, a, a great um, a, a great start to a season. Um, it just seems like for whatever reason, the, the meetings between the Bears and the Eagles all are very important and um, all seem to have implications for the team going one way or the other. Um, in that particular game that you brought up, you know, <clears throat> You, you look at the, the box score and you see Randall Cunningham throwing for 400 yards, but also four interceptions, um, you know, and I mean, he's a he's a player that I think kind of gets forgotten in history, you know, because he was sort of one of the first uh, of his kind of, you know, a mobile quarterback in a time when that wasn't really embraced um, so much, you know, and. Uh, it's just it's kind of funny that, you know, we we also, it seems, end up playing <clears throat> against some of these guys, you know, like McNabb or even uh, Nick Foles is sort of an untraditional uh, type of quarterback. Um, and, you know, it's uh, for whatever reason, if if there's a if there's a sort of a Bears, you know, um, Murphy's law type of thing that is available to happen. It will happen against the Eagles, you know, regardless of the scenario or the, or the, you know, the time of year. Um, it just seems like, uh, you know, even though we had their number for such a long time, ever since then, they've sort of had our number, you know, I mean, obviously the last four games have been Eagles victories. Um, 2013, 54 to 11 um, being one of them that's just, you know, that's just brutal. Um, and I think that was in the, that was in the stretch, um, with Tressman where, you know, that was, we were just in a free fall, you know? So I'm really hoping that nothing like that happens, but I, I'm worried because I feel like that is the type of thing that could happen. And it's right now the media and, Nagy are not getting along particularly well, and and um, it's it worries me because a lot of people are comparing him to Tressman, you know, um, and it, things can turn quickly here. Um, I brought up the fact that you know Joe Madden broke a hundred and year, hundred and eight year curse, and three years later he is no longer the manager of the Cubs. I mean, I don't think anybody saw that coming, um, and. So it's it's funny how quickly things go south uh, when expectations get involved. And the Cubs apparently went from being, uh, you know, uh, just happy to have won one to expected to win every single year and look where you're at. So same thing happens with Nagy. Um, and now it, we have these sky high expectations. And, you know, it, it's 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 going to be sad if if. Uh, you know, this spirals, you know, and I, cause I, and I, and I think there are a lot of people have made the comparisons to, to Trustman, but there are a lot of similarities. So I hope that that doesn't happen. I am hoping beyond hope that we are wrong about how we feel about Mitch right now. Um, but it's, it's hard to deny the writing on the wall in a lot of ways. 
They always say it's uh, darkest before the dawn, so uh, we're at about 4 o'clock in the morning on the Bears' schedule. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it's it's going to be an, an interesting game, to say the least. And the, I think that maybe what could be the best news for the Bears in all of this is they played pretty well on the road. And they they won, you know, haven't they won two, two of their three games were road games. They won... They beat Denver. Uh, it was a last second, but they beat Denver. They beat Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the game against Oakland was technically a road game, that, but they should have won. I want to finish off by, by going back to what I have said several times on this podcast, and if you follow Halitech Hall on Twitter, I talk about it all the time. We have to lose the mentality when we lose of saying it's only one game. That one game, we've had that happen three times now. We're just one game. We just barely played well enough to lose. And that has now caused this team to be three and four versus six and one. If they're six and one, they're a half a game behind the Packers. Uh, for the lead in, in the NFC, and they've got they've got the world by the balls because they're on that same roller coaster where we're at the top of the hill instead of at the bottom of the hill. We can't afford to have another. It's just one game that we lost by X. If you're going to lose, lose like you did against New Orleans, and just get your asses kicked. But play the game and play to win. You've got to use all your talents. I don't care if they only get five touches a game, but if you use that talent within the realm of the schemes that you're doing, do what's working, Coach Nagy. Do what's working, because right now what's working is the running out of the I formation. It's running standard plays. It's running crossing patterns in, to get the wide receivers open in front of them like you did against Washington when you specifically game planned in place for Taylor Gabriel. Where was Taylor Gabriel across the middle this past Sunday? I didn't see him. So we have to stop losing those it's just one game games from here on out the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, they can't... They cannot lose more than honestly. If they lose this game this week, it's really all over. Like we can kiss the playoffs goodbye. They they can't. They can't lose. They really can't lose more than two games the rest of the way. I know a lot of things can happen, injuries, blah 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 blah. But realistically, you can't expect to be in the playoff picture if you go to three and five. Uh, the statistics are not in your favor if you're at three and five. Um, and I mean, as far as what you said, I think there are times where there are other receivers that are available uh, and open, but Mitch just doesn't see them. I mean, so I think sometimes it's naggy, not, but, but I also feel like Mitch consistently throws the ball into crowds and doesn't need to, uh, even on that play to Taylor Gabriel, when he missed the throw, Miller was also open, you know, um, the play to, to Shaheen where it goes off his hands in the back of the end zone and is broken up. And, you know, uh, they, he's got Burton in the flat completely wide open. I mean, he just doesn't see guys a lot of the time. And that's the problem is that, 
there's guys running wide open, you know. So you sit there and you go, well, if we had like a, a, a quarterback that could actually go through the progressions and, you know, keep keep a pocket presence and keep his footwork together, you know, I think we'd have a whole different thing. But his brain is just cracked right now and it's, he's just not seeing things. And so when he gets <clears throat> when only when he's forced to make plays because the clock is against him or his back's against the wall. Does he stop uh, thinking? It's it's almost like when when it's too wide open, it's we're that's that's the worst time, you know. Um, like when Gabriel was that wide open with a with a 40 year old running back chasing or linebacker chasing him, I just saw it and my eyes were open, but I didn't expect Mitch to make that pass. Absolutely, I did not expect him to hit that, <laughs> because even when Gabriel's wide open, Gabriel has to make like some ridiculous dive or acrobatics to catch it i mean that's the reality of of gabriel when he's wide open so it's you know it is what it is i I hope he rebounds i want to believe um where i'm at but where where they're at can can turn around i will say that the vikings if the vikings could turn it around we can turn it around um, that's, that's my, that's my one bit of optimism I could offer. But other than that, I'm hunkered down for a long winter, uh, because the Blackhawks suck and the bulls are looking rough and the bears are breaking our hearts right now. So at the end of the day, uh, we, you know, we're going to keep doing what we do and keep trucking and keep, you know, focusing on bears history and hopefully look back to some some happier times or some interesting times. And uh, no matter what goes on with the season, we'll be here uh, talking about it, breaking it down, helping you understand it. Go ahead, Mr. Haltick. Before we, uh, we hang up and we talk about, uh, we talk about history all the time. Um, you had just mentioned a few minutes ago that if the bears fall to three and five, their season is over. Uh, the bears in have made 15 playoff Appearances in the last 45 years, only twice have they come back from a three and five record to make the playoffs. The last time was in 1979, and the time before that was in 1977. Uh, in 1977, 1977 was the last season in NFL history where they did not play 16 games in the regular season. It was only a 14-game season. They started off uh, three and five. Uh, They had probably the greatest comeback in the history of the Bears franchise to barely beat the Kansas City Chiefs 28 to 27, and they never lost again until they made the playoffs as a wildcard team and beat the uh, Dallas or got beat by Dallas in the 1977 playoffs. And ironically, we keep on coming back to these goofy games with Philadelphia. In 1979, the Bears started off three and five. I believe they ended up 10 and six. And who do they play in the playoffs? The Philadelphia Eagles. (laughs) Walter Payton, I believe it was in the third quarter, uh, ran the ball like 86 yards for a touchdown. And it got called back on some bogus motion penalty. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they showed this the other day online. It was uh, Herm Edwards slammed him to the turf on a horrible horse collar that would definitely be called now. It was slammed on that terrible 
veterans stadium turf. Yep. yep. What a, but Brian Fastnagel uh, got called for illegal motion, and he was oh. he was he was running. He was in motion parallel to the line of scrimmage. You could see it on the on the tape. Where that flag came from, to this day, nobody knows. It was just an absolute terrible call. Yeah. Um, and you know, yeah. even even in today's world, that call is not subject to review. Right. Uh, but it's you know that's a game that the Bears should have won. They ended up losing because of that one call, uh, and you know, it goes into the the annals of Bears, uh, Eagles, goofy ass games. So yeah. With yeah. that, we will be back on next Wednesday. Uh, we record on Wednesdays, and we usually get the the uh, podcast uploaded either Thursday or Friday. We appreciate everybody for tuning in to. Our podcast, whether you're on Podbean or if you're on YouTube or any other of the other outlets that Double A, my producer, uh, gets these uh, these feeds uploaded to, and of course we always post links on our our Twitter page at Halitech Halls. So uh, until uh, we get back together next week to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles game and what's in store for us the rest of the season. Uh, it's it's going to be a, an interesting week. So, Aaron, thanks again for everything you do for us, and thank you to Tick Splits, our sponsor. Uh, I believe uh, Tick Splits is going to be having yet another ticket giveaway. Uh, don't know which show it's going to be, if it's going to be on your the, the Tailgate show or this show, but uh, uh, they're giving away tickets to every single Bears home game this year. So listen in, listen up. And be ready to respond when those those ticket giveaways are announced. With that, Aaron, have a great week. Thanks very much.